Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean shook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello, and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, coming to you live from the Fish Hunt Northwest studio located here on the shores of Summit Lake in Olympia, Washington, Weather is outstanding. It's phenomenal. It's going to get a little hotter, too. Oh, boy. Fourth of July. Yeah. All right. Fourth of July weekend coming up. Hopefully, everybody's ready and roll right on into that early weekend to the fourth. And mm-hmm. do we dare say 90 degrees? Yeah. It's yeah, going it to be is. pretty awesome. So yeah. uh, It's one of the only times where the weather on the east side is going to be about what the weather here is. Yeah. yeah. It's just a matter of who's going to get more wind, right? right. So, <laughs> yep. hey, I want to welcome everybody to the show uh, this evening. We had a ton of information to get through as we do each and every week. Never enough time to get through it all, but we'll stack it in here somehow, some way, Tommy. We'll find find our way to the end. Uh, evening to everybody jumping on here. Shane Vanderland, all the way from Hawaii. How about that? Yeah, Checking in from Maui. Aloha. Aloha from Maui. Huh, nicely done. Uh, hey, if you're joining us here uh, via Root Sports for the first time, want to thank you for that. Take a little bit of time, if you would. Go to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. There you're going to find a couple coupons. Uh, Edge Rods, FHN20 is your coupon code at checkout. Click on that. takes you right to the Edge Rods page. You're going to find all kinds of savings on every type of fishing rod you could ever want for any of your fisheries. Check them out at Edge Rods and be sure to use that coupon code. You're going to save 20%. Then also Phelps Game Calls. We've teamed up with Phelps Game Calls and they have a special running for the entire year. All Phelps Game Calls for the entire year. 10% off Fish Hunt NW10 at checkout. You're going to save 10% on your Phelps calls. So a few things going on around the area. Uh, Tommy, boy, have you been paying attention to the Ocean Chinook fisheries? It's phenomenal. It's, it is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I got a piece of it on the opener. <laughs> yes, yeah. you did. And uh, yeah. I talked to uh, talked to Carl Frudenstein yesterday. We uh, met up and yeah. uh, talked over a couple of things. And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, we're just running out, dropping in, getting the fish, heading back. I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty much hitting the easy button out of Westport right it now. It is. Yep. It is. Going out to 200, 230 feet of water. Yep. Dropping down yep. And, and hooking up and getting your limit of kings. A few yep. mornings, they've uh, been on the bite for about an hour. Then they shut off and you got to mm-hmm. kind of move. But once you find them again, boom, it's gangbusters, it's game right? Time. And yep. it's, it's and they're happened. running about 10 to 15 pounds right now, and they're yeah. just going to get yeah. bigger and bigger. Oh, buddy. So, yeah. yeah, things are happening. But along with that, the uh, Columbia River, they just announced out of a meeting yesterday, Columbia River, we just thought it was going to remain open, and here we go with a closure, yeah. right? Yep. And, uh, you know, the fishing, the fishery is just not fishing, right, yeah. to, to the extent they thought it was going to. And so, 
Yep, it is closing. It will be shut down for your uh, your hatchery Chinook, unfortunately, from the Astoria Bridge all the way up to Priest Rapids Dam. And effective this Saturday, July 1st, yep. unfortunately, just in time for 4th of July, it's going to be shut down. <laughs> yes, and indeed. the preseason forecast was about 86,000, mm -hmm. and they downgraded it all the way down to just shy of 60,000. Yeah, so, that's a significant yep. bump downward. So, uh, as you mentioned, it's uh, closed up to Priest Rapids. Below there, to back down to the mouth, will reopen August 1st as the anticipated mm -hmm. reopener, just in time for that fall fishery in Bowie 10. Uh, but from Priest Rapids up July 1st, I mean, it's open, and it's open yep. for you know uh for chinook and uh sockeye everybody's looking forward to that sockeye fishery so oh, yeah. that is still happening above priest rapids you still get to go after uh, fish up there so things to look forward to in that regard on that east side which uh i'll be taking part of here as we get about the third week of july yes you will gonna get over there and chase some of those sockeye can't wait all right running down the show um gosh you know we've had him on here before and he's joining us once again now that he's retired tommy uh, art apparently has time art tashel president at gig harbor psa chapter also uh, what i refer to as an area 11 icon um art worked the boathouse down there point defiance for 40 plus years uh did you know there were recently 120,000 chinook released from point defiance also the area 11 openers july 1st art is going to get you ready to go uh, and then first time to the program, uh, Steve Kuhn, owner at In The Zone Fishing, LLC. What is going on with this Columbia River Chinook and sockeye fishery? And is really, are them Chinook that hard to catch? Well, we only got a couple days in the lower section left, but Steve's gonna walk us through the process and what's happening with conditions in that fishery this time of year. Uh, also then, I took a recent road trip, uh, Thomas, down to um, Beaverton, Oregon. Jumped on the studio Outdoor GPS, my buddy Owen, and of course Herzog joined us. Uh, what was that all about and why did we make that road trip? I'm going to answer some questions because a, a lot of folks were wondering what I was doing down there at Outdoor GPS. Uh, Tommy, you're back in the bait lab. Uh, bait for Ocean Chinook. We told folks we were going to get to this part two here at some point and tonight is the night. Here it is. Yeah, here you go. So get ready for that. Then I also uh, spent some time and uh, boy, I tell you, it was tough to get through. Recent Fish and Wildlife Commission meeting. A little heated at times, and for good reason, draft, conservation, or preservation policy. We'll have the in-depth discussion and hopefully open your eyes as to what is really going on. Uh, this is something you want to pay attention to. And then, of course, we'll close out the show with some news and some info. Again, tons going on, and we got a bunch of info to get through. So if we don't uh, get out of here on a break... We're going to be late. So. That's right. <laughs> All right. Going to jump out for a quick break. Uh, don't go anywhere. We come back. We'll have Art Tashel here to uh, answer some questions about that 120,000 fin clip Chinook released out of Point Defiance. And then, of course, we'll talk about Area 11 opener. Coming up after the break right here, Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. 
you owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. All right, welcome back here in studio to Winning England, Tommy Donlin, and I want to introduce you to our first guest this evening, Art Taschel, president at the Gig Harbor PSA chapter, also what I refer to as an Area 11 icon. Uh, if you're not familiar with Art, you ran the boathouse down there at Point Defiance for 40-something years, didn't you? Yeah, 48, I think, total. <laughs> 48, but who's counting? But who's counting, yeah. yeah. We could call I, it 50, right? <laughs> yeah, might as well have went for it. But, hey, we're glad you retired. So, hey, recently, Art, because uh, also as president of the PSA chapter, Gig Harbor uh, PSA chapter, you guys are pretty uh, pretty involved in net pen releases down there out of Point Defiance. Now, you've been doing it for a few years. This year it was 120,000 fin clip Chinook out of the saltwater pens there at Point Defiance. And um, let's talk a little bit about that program for a minute, uh, kind of how it came about and who's all involved. Oh, boy. Um, over a decade ago, I was up on the Olympic Peninsula doing a little steelhead fishing, run across a gentleman up there. Um, we sitting around campfire and talking about, and I was lamenting about uh, net pen days back, back when, and there was uh, Chinook salmon everywhere right in Puget yeah. Sound um and he go, looks at me and he goes well let's do it again so anyway that's where it started <laughs> um and through a lot of patience and perseverance um we were able to um bring a whole bunch of parties together and, and make this work so that's where we are today um the, the collaboration is huge um Chalk Tribe Department of Fish and Wildlife Puget Sound Recreational Enhancement Fund, uh, Metro Parks Tacoma, Tacoma Public Schools, Big wow. Harbor PSA, Bio Oregon, Northwest Salmon Research, and the public, the public, the public. They're all involved. Yeah. Hey, Art, so explain the life cycle of these fish uh, for those that may not know. So you hold them in the net pen for two months, then they're released. And then talk about where do they go from there, and are they specific to a particular watershed that they return to? Well, okay, let's let's start. Their um, their um, eggs are taken on the Puyallup River in the Clark's Creek Hatchery and the Boyd's Creek Hatchery. Um, the Boyd's Creek Hatchery is WDFW. A Clark's Creek is a tribal hatchery. Mm -hmm. So we get fish from both of those. Um, we got two separate pens. These are surplus fish. So when they take these eggs, people probably know. If they don't, now you'll know. They take extra, right? So, so if they have die-off, they make sure they have enough fish for their raceways. Um, but if they, they got too many, then they don't have the resources to feed them. So they got to get rid of them while they're getting rid of them in our pens. Oh, nice. So that's where we're at. Yeah, perfect. Um, right. So these are extra fish, right? So um, – so then we take them and uh, or the tribe delivers them or the department, depending on who has the trucks available at the time, bring them in, pump them into their um, survival rate. has been great. The last couple of years, we might lose 50 fish mm, out, wow. of, out of what, 100, you know, 100 plus thousand. Yeah. So uh, um, long story short there, then we raise those for two months. Then we got to set up a calendar for feeding. They're fed three times a day, mm. seven days a week. Um, and we bring the public in to do that. We open up that calendar uh, with the stipulation, you got to show up and, and do this if you're going to do it. The Tacoma Public Schools, Science and Math Institute in the park, free bags, all the feeds. All you got to do is show up, grab the bag for the right pen, 
broadcast these fish, feed them. Um, so the whole time they're in there, they're getting fed really well. Their growth rate is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And uh, also they're acclimating the saltwater environment, feeding what they're going to be feeding on already. So when you release them, they're ready to go. Plus you bypassed pollution, pollutants in the uh, freshwater system and the predators in freshwater system. So the survival rates, typically, it's done in Alaska. Survival rates are greatly yeah. uh, better than than right out of the hatcheries. Um, this is the first year that we'll get a three-year adults back. So we'll start seeing those those wire-coated tags that are unique to that facility. And so the data is really going to start rolling in. We got some from last year already. And it's pretty interesting. We got a tag from Westport, a bunch up in Area 4, huh. and in other locations as well. Um, these fish that we got tags back were from Narrows Marina. And the closest um, stream to that where they were released is Chambers in Garrison Springs there. A large proportion of those fish showed up there. Mm, okay. Also Minner Creek. Nice. The fish we're the, the fish we're using at Point Defiance are Puyallup River fish, mm -hmm. so they will come back to the pens, and then head to the closest resource or, or you know uh, watershed, which is Puyallup River. Yeah. And, uh, so that's that's where that is. Um, this this is adding a, a, a nice uh, bump in uh, hopefully survivability and return of adult fish to that north and central. Central Sound, a few strays down south, but this is, uh, is this part of the Orca Task Force that uh, helped generate this uh, as well, or is this a completely separate program? It's, it's all, of, all of that above. You know, the governor uh, set task force with uh, the possibility of raising more Chinook, and, it, and that provided the opportunity. Also, the science and math aspect to it. Um, we got Tacoma Public Schools. They have a, a high school science and math institute in Point Defiance Park. Mm. So they're doing tons of science on these fish. Yeah. And with every single one being clipped and have a, a wire code in, tag in it, they'll be able to track these fish, you know, check sizes. There's tons of science that can happen here. Yeah, this is great. All right, well, we're running a little long here uh, before we completely run out of time and uh, stretch this out. Real quick, our uh, opening day weekend, Saturday, July 1st, and then we get to look forward to some crabbing the 2nd and 3rd. It's 4th of July weekend. It's going to be crowded. going to be a ton of people out there. If you're dropping a line in the water Saturday morning with the tide structure that we're up against, are you trolling, you mooching, you jigging? What's the go-to plan? you got about 20 seconds to let us know. Uh, I would start out right out front. First hour in the morning is going to be some fish at uh, a slag and then in clay banks. And then it's going to be a lull. You can go chase coho. And but then a low water change back down the clay banks or out front. And then uh, the high water change, same thing. Out on the shelf, clay banks, slag. There will be fish there. The test boats already found them. Um, when there's lulls, you can catch, uh, catch coho. Sure. They're all over the place. Right. Right. Um, trolling Perfect. is your best bet, I would say. Um, I'm probably going to do that. I'm, I'm kind of tossing back and forth between jigging and trolling right now. Gotcha. Well, hey, never enough time. Always a pleasure to get you on. Wealth of knowledge, and we appreciate your contribution. 
uh, in helping us uh, bring these fish back and give us some hatchery opportunity uh, moving forward. So uh, don't be a stranger. We'll be in touch. And thanks for jumping on tonight. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Art. All right. Uh, Art Tashel is still doing a lot of amazing things for Puget Sound Tommy and our fisheries. No doubt about it. All right, going to jump out for a quick break. We come back, going to introduce you to uh, Steve Kuhn, owner at In The Zone Fishing, LLC. We're going to talk about this Columbia River and uh, what we can or cannot look forward to, depending. Don't go anywhere. Steve on right after this break, right here, Fish on Northwest. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse china and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy-gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied Boats will have it for you. Contact Allied Boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. All right, welcome back here in studio, uh, Fisher Northwest, Winning and Tommy Donlin. And next guest on the docket here this evening, Tommy, is uh, Steve Kuhn, owner at In The Zone Fishing LLC. Steve's out there enjoying the sunshine on the boat, man. How are you doing? Oh, it's a, it's a nice night out here. That's Escaping nice the heat. <laughs> yeah. Looks no, beautiful from here. Hey, so yeah. uh, in talking with you and a handful of others, you know, this fishery on the Columbia, we only got a couple of days left now with this announcement of the closure uh, announced yeah. yesterday, but it's been a bit of a tough fishery. And uh, if uh, if you are going to get out there for the next couple of days and try to find some success with the water conditions as they are, and the low numbers of returning Chinook, what's been your most productive? You've been on anchor mostly or trolling? Yeah, yeah. so this morning I actually fished for a little bit too, and uh, we, we went on anchor and... Uh, you know, it was, it, it's productive, but it's not going to be like red hot. I mean, if you sit there for five, six hours, you get three, four bites is what I could think. You know, it's just, it's not, you know, even in the best spots, you're not going to really put up huge numbers like some years. So it's, it's been a little tougher for sure. So yeah. I, but, but anchor fishing, like I said, it's consistent, at least, you know, consistently a little slow, but it's, it seems like it's actually getting better, and it's right when they close it, of course. So. Oh, yeah, that's always <laughs> how it works. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. So, Steve, when the you're sitting on anchor, when you're sitting on anchor, Steve, and you've got, you know, you got two targets, right? You have uh, schnook and you have sockeye. Can you talk a little bit about how does your presentation vary between the two species? Yeah, so, I mean, if I'm just targeting schnook, I'm using mainly quick fish and just spinners, you know. Sometimes I'll put a coon shrimp on it, sometimes not, but usually just a plain spinner. Uh, but with sockeye, you're, you're wanting those coon shrimp on there. Um, I mean, I do know you can catch a sockeye on a plane spinner. And also, I've heard of them caught on K-15 sometimes. But if you're going to target sockeye, definitely want coon shrimp, whether it's plain or with a spin glow or whatever. So Perfect. So, uh, yeah. obviously, they've announced the closure. You're out of Oregon. Uh, you're not going to chase the opportunity to go up above uh, Priest Rapids and, uh, you know, yeah. uh, chase the, the sockeye and Chinook and whatnot up there. So, still got opportunity in this lower stretch for sockeye, jacks, and, of course, steelhead. So, yep. do you continue to fish that and target those steelhead? I mean, the coon shrimp obviously yeah. work real well for steelhead. You jump over to the Willamette. What's uh, what's kind of your go-to, and what advice might yeah. you have for others on this lower river closure? Yeah, as of now, this, I mean, steelhead counts are pretty low still. You know, if you go uh, below like Kalam and Lewis, you're gonna find a lot more steelhead because you got all those rivers that pump steelhead in. But I mean, yeah. it's still one per person for steelhead. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sockeye is, uh, you know, it's obviously better from the bank 
typically, but I mean, you can get out there and, uh, you know, use your, uh, your little Brad's divers and stuff like that and put a little spin glow back there, get them that way in shallow water. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to target more of the 10 to 15 foot of water. Um, but I'm going to, I'm probably going to hop into the, uh, uh, Willamette a few times. If that stays open, there's rumors swirling about that one too. Oh it's boy. Scared. That's not good. So no. Steve, what, uh, you know, when you think uh, about the, the ocean, oh. the other option, we got you there. Yeah. You were saying the yeah. ocean's the other option. Yeah. Uh, I'm always a big yep. fan of the ocean, but I'm kind of biased. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, talk, talk to us yeah. about the Willamette a little bit. What's your go-to presentation for that in terms of, you know, you run in lead, dropper, no dropper, you got a 360 yep. flasher. What what does that program look like? Yeah, three, yeah, just 16 or anywhere from 12 to 16 ounces of lead. You're going with, a, you know, all 360s on everything is what I'm running this time of year. Um Oops. Cutting out a little bit, Steve. We're kind of losing yeah. you there. Yep. Looks like we lost him, Jordan. Go ahead and Super sit. bass spinners. Oh, there he is Scary. a little bit. Like all that kind of stuff. Okay, we caught Got most of that. You got me? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, 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 the picture's froze, but we okay. can still still hear you. So looks like our connection's kind of uh, wandering uh, here. So no big deal. Uh, we're kind of running up against a heartbreak either way. There, you're kind of moving around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it kind of sounds like the standard program over there in the Willamette, Dirty Willamette, uh, a yep. little more flash. And uh, are you concerned at all, before we get out of here, are you concerned at all with the river levels like the Columbia right now for the time of year and what's to come as we get into that late August, early September fishery and how low the, the water may be and the temperature? Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's weird because we have low water but cold water. Okay. So it's kind of different than most years. So I think these fish are just trickling in, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you don't get those big wad of fish going through because you don't have the super warm water. So I think that's kind of the weird, the slow cold water. They're just slowly moving up. We're finally seeing 67 degrees out here. Okay. But uh, I mean, a couple years ago, that was the norm. It was like 67, 68. And you know, the pro trolls and the three sixties, everybody is getting them trolling around. Now you're hearing these people trolling and it's just not, it's not like it was that year. Right, so yeah. right. Uh, they're not going to like the cold water areas as much. They're just kind of just pushing through because the water's still pretty cold. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, great to finally get you on the show. And uh, folks can track you down, www.inthezonefishing.net, and yep. uh, jump on board and uh, get out to get out in your boat and go chase some uh, Chinook and some sockeye. So uh, appreciate you taking time. Don't be a stranger. We will definitely stay in touch. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You bet, Steve. Have, have a great Steve. evening. <laughs> All yeah, right, you guys have uh, a good one. In the Zone right. Fishing, LLC, www.inthezonefishing.net, Steve uh, Kuhn. All right, we're going to jump out for a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We come back a couple points before we get out of here, first half of the show. Coming back up right here, Fish on Northwest. Support from Northwest Sportsmen make Federal Ammunition the world's leading ammunition manufacturer. Federal uses the industry's finest materials, giving you reliable ammunition that delivers superb accuracy and optimum performance. Northwest hunters rely on Sportco to provide the best selection and prices in the Northwest since 1985. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium in Fife and Seattle. Your journey begins here. All right, welcome back here in studio as we wind down the first half of the show. So Tommy, I hit the road uh, last Sunday. Went yeah, down did. to Beaverton, of all places. Joined in studio with Owen Hayes and Outdoor GPS, and Bill Herzog met me along the way, and we uh, 
uh, Owen had us come down to talk about summer steelhead of all things. Yep. Now it's not like it's off the charts, you know, red hot fishing pretty much anywhere. You got to work for them. But uh, several weeks ago, I had, I had once again done the coon shrimp curing yep. recipe here in studio, and then uh, took opportunity down there in studio with Owen to talk about and show how to rig the coon shrimp for steelhead fishing, for sockeye fishing. And so that was a good discussion. That generated a lot of, man, the inbox and the emails was loaded. And want, you know, hey, what's the exact recipe, blah, blah, blah. So I've steered folks towards the exact recipe on our Facebook page, and there's links provided to a blog I wrote a couple years ago. It hasn't changed. I haven't yeah, changed the recipe. Same recipe. Yeah, it was the number one recipe. Ask anybody, they'll tell you. <laughs> so uh, same recipe. Go to uh, www.potskysbaitco.com. You're going to find that recipe step-by-step step in the blog. You can watch the video step-by-step, step, give you all the ingredients, all the measurements. Trust me, you're going to want to use this recipe when curing uh, blanched and frozen coon shrimp ready for cure. This is the one to go to. So uh, you can find that information there. Go to our Facebook page. Go to Potskis. It's all there for your taking. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the first half of the show. Don't go anywhere. Uh, more to come second half after the break. We're going to be in the bait lab with Tommy Donlin. Uh, bait for Ocean Chinook coming up right here after the break. Fish on Northwest. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse chine and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied Boats will have it for you. Contact Allied Boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. Hey guys, I'm Big Mike. Come on down to the Edge Pro Shop and see me. We've got all the best brands under one roof. We've got Hawken, Procure, Short Bus, Pro Troll, Yakima Bait, Get Em Dry Jigs, Northwest Bait Scent, Daiwa Reels, North Fork Lures, North Wild, Brad's, Superfly, Rocky Mountain Tackle, and of course, the greatest rods ever built, Edge Rods. Hey, welcome back to Fishing on Northwest. I'm Tommy Donlin, and we are in the Bait Lab, brought to you by Sporco and Outdoor Emporium. All right, now, you heard us talk on the show about the Ocean Schnook opener, right? And of course, I was found at my favorite place, Nia Bay, Washington, a big salmon fishing resort. And uh, lo and behold, and you guys know how much I love my spoons, how much I love my ace high flies and all my plugs. But for whatever reason, on the opener, they didn't want anything but bait. It was a complete bait show. And I tried periodically. I tried different color spoons, different size spoons, different ace high flies, small, large, the whole gamut, right? And these fish were just on the chew for bait. And that was it. And so one of the rigs that I want to share with you tonight is this guy right here on the table. And this is your typical anchovy rig. Now what you're looking at, there's two, two standard types that I use. You've got your Rice Davis here and you've got your crippled anchovy heads here, right? Both work really well. Um, the one thing I'll say when you look at the difference between the two is the, the pin that comes with the Rice Davis head is a little bit more stout than the crippled herring head. Um, with that said, the crippled herring head, if you follow the contour of the head, 
that gives you the natural bait curve. If you follow the curve on the head all the way into the body of the bait, you're going to do really well there. With the uh, Rice Davis head, you're going to notice there's an adaptation to this head. You're going to see this little wire coming out, and that's meant to go through the bait, and I'll show you how to rig it, but that goes inside the bait, and that allows you to curve the bait in whatever shape you want for high, uh, high trolling speeds or low trolling speeds, one way or the other. Um, one of the things that I want to point out before I show you how to rig this is the hook uh, arrangement and the hook, the hook location. I like a sizable distance between my lead hook and my trail hook. And uh, one of the things that you'll notice when you fish this rig, you really want that trail hook sitting behind the bait, behind the tail, right? And that way, if you get any short strikers, they're gonna get the hook no matter what. If they're just trying to nip the tail, they're gonna get the hook. And uh, what I've noticed is that nine times out of 10, when you bring that schnook to the boat, they're hooked in that trail hook, right? Uh, in the corner, in the bottom of the jaw, upper jaw, they, they're typically getting that trail hook. So something that you wanna keep in mind. All right, let's get to rigging. The one thing I'll say that this rig does really well with uh, an anchovy, obviously, or a red label herring or an orange label herring. You can even fish up to a green label herring in this. It may take a little bit of finesse to get the head of that herring into this head holder uh, on the Rice Davis or the crippled head. And uh, sometimes depending on um, the size of the bait or the size of the head, I've even had to trim a little bit of the head in uh, head off to get it into the head, but it's well worth it. Trust me, you can fish all those different bait sizes, like I said, red, orange, green label herring, uh, or anchovies in the same exact head. Now, what we were doing really well on up at Nia Bay for the opener was red label. They loved red label. We ran some anchovies too, but they wanted that red label herring, right? Because that's really what they were feeding on was that small bait. All right, so let's go ahead and rig this thing. So here's your pin. Now what you're basically trying to do, and again, kind of here's, here's that pin before it's installed. So you can see you have quite a bit of distance in this pin. And again, that's you buy these separately. They're made by Rice Davis. And uh, you buy that to go with this head. You're gonna notice these two little holes in the head. And that's where the pin goes. And then what you do is you're trimming this to length. Okay, so this one's already been trimmed to length. And I wanna show you how this works. So basically what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna insert this right in the side, right behind the gill plate, and I'm gonna run it down the side of the anchovy, okay? And what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to get that bait nested all the way up in the head, and that wire's completely inside of the bait. You don't see the wire anymore because it's inside of the bait. And then what you're gonna do, I like to hold the bait and the head simultaneously. That makes sure that the, the head of the bait is as far forward as it's gonna go. And then you take your pin, and you pin it right here, okay? Now that bait's captured in the front, you've got a good toe point. And now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna come back here and I'm gonna put this lead hook right about where the dorsal is on this anchovy, okay? And I like to come down just to where kind of the light blue of the anchovy meets the silver right along the lateral line. And I'm gonna put this inside of the bait and I'm gonna bring it right back out, okay? and then feed the line through here. And this is one of the rigs that we used on the opening weekend. It's beat up a little bit, but this is the rig that was working the best, so I wanted to bring it in here tonight. But basically, so you've got that hook in there. It's just underneath the skin. Now what you can do is you can sit and you can give this anchovy the bend that you wanna see, okay? And you can start, start shaping it with that wire that's inside. 
and then that wire will make sure that it maintains the curvature of the bait while you're trolling. And uh, you know, we definitely had some periods of success and some periods of dead time on that opener. And I, I will tell you, you know, we're I'm always I'm a huge proponent of checking bait, right? If it's down 15 minutes, it didn't get bit, you got to bring it up. But we brought the same bait up and put the same bait down for over an hour. That's another advantage of the heads, right? And I do I do a lot of different methods. Cut plug if I'm trolling really slow when I'm motor mooching. Um, I'll do a whole herring rig with no head at all and then the head right and the head just if if it gives you that really consistent shape to the bait and if you have um you know the reason that i really got into fishing this in this manner with um you know these herring and anchovy heads is because i did a lot of fishing on a twin diesel you know 35 foot albin right was with, with no trolling valves so the slowest that we would troll was 2.7 knots so you needed something a way for that bait to get the spin that you wanted uh, but at a very fast speed, right? And it worked perfectly. So that's why that's another reason why I'm a huge fan of these. Um, but basically, that's it. Now you can see where the hook is on the tail of this bait. It's right at the back of the bait. Now there's one other thing that you cannot forget when you look at this rig. If you look closely, I'll use the pliers to point, but right here, you're going to notice that there is a toothpick that I have put into the hole where the line feeds through before the line enters the head. That toothpick is very, very, very important. And the reason that you want to use the toothpick is because you need something that is going to wedge the line. Otherwise, as you pull this bait through the water, it's going to pull on this line. And if you pull on the line, it's going to pull on the hook and it's going to change the curvature of the bait. You do not want that. Whatever curvature you pick is a curvature you want it to maintain the entire time. And you don't want this hook to rip out. You'll lose your action completely. So you have to put a toothpick in so that it keeps that size and doesn't pull too much on the line. Okay, there you have it. That is a foolproof bait rig. Put it behind your favorite Pearl Troll flasher. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of these hot chip flashers from Pearl Troll. Um, they seem to work well, especially when the bite's tough. And so you can also run that as a dummy flasher five feet of 150 to 200 pound mono straight off the downrigger ball as well and then just run this about five feet up on the release clip with no flash or anything right so that way when you hook up there's no flasher in the equation you're just hooked to the fish all right that's the bay lab for tonight don't go anywhere we're going to be right back right here on fish hunt northwest all Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy. Hi, welcome back here in studio to the show. Uh, nicely done there, brother. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Who doesn't love fishing bait for salmon? I know. Chinook, coho, yeah. doesn't matter. Whether we're on the downriver or dropping lead, you know, out yeah. there in the harbor or, uh, you know, out in, out in Puget Sound, ocean, what, I mean, it's just... And it's exactly what they're eating, you know? Yeah. So there's no substitute. There is no substitute, yep. right. Yeah, there is no substitute. So um, that's all really good stuff. Now... Uh, switching gears here a little bit to something that I don't really think is really good stuff, but I mean, yeah. stuff that we have to... People need to know. Have to talk about and people need to know, Tommy. So I um, I didn't 
catch the actual meeting when it was going on, but the beauty is they put it up there on WTV or whatever, and uh, you can go back and watch it, you know, yeah. to your heart's content, or throw it on while you're driving so you can listen to it. And <laughs> right. That might cause a little road rage at times, so you got to be careful with this <laughs> stuff, right? So um, I did listen in and filtered through the, uh, the four hours or so of this commission meeting day one. Um, you know, the way those meetings are structured, they have recognized time for public comment. Yeah. They hold you to three minutes. You can talk about whatever you know, is, is uh, grinding your gears, or mm -hmm. if you want to give them accolades for the amazing work they do, you have that opportunity as well. And there was some of that, and we'll get into that. Um, yep. And then they have topics specific throughout the course of the meeting, and depending on the specific topic, they may allow for public comment time mm -hmm. after they've kind of thrown it all out there and beat up on it for a little bit. So then you get public comment, uh, and again, three minutes or so. And, uh, you know, I am always interested in listening to what people have to say. And yep. the commission should, as well, listen listen to what people has to say, yep. good and bad, and take the input and do something with it, right? Yeah. So uh, they were reminded right out of the gate with a few folks that sat down to, to talk uh, in the open public forum, making comments. Not necessarily. We're going to talk about the um, the, cons the draft conservation policy that's out there for public review currently. And yep. uh, they'll move on that eventually in October, but it's open for public comment. So that's the second part of this piece. The first part was public comment in general. Yep. Um, Barbara Baker, chair, was reminded, you know, that they are putting, they're kind of putting a position out there coming from the majority of this commission that they really seem to be somewhat anti-hunting mm -hmm. <laughs> and somewhat anti-fishing and people are starting to let them know that yeah i, I wouldn't use the word somewhat i would yeah. say they they are they anti. are yeah. so chair barbara baker was reminded that in a previous meeting she li literally stated right now we have so little truly wildlife areas left that we do not need to be recruiting or retaining anybody to go out there right which completely goes against wdfw's efforts and mission. In mission of yep. R3. Yeah. Okay. Completely yep. 180 degrees. That's right. That's right. And, you know, and so you, what, you, what you notice in these meetings is that the current commission uh, is so anti-hunting that they have started phasing out the use of some language and some words in their presentation, right, mm -hmm. in, in their thought process. Yep. And, uh, you know, some of those words would include things like, you know, hunting, can't game, say it. Can't say it. No. Nope. Game management, restoration, mm -hmm. sustainable use, mm -hmm. and heaven forbid we use the word harvest, right? Mm -hmm. And so really what they're doing is they're laying the foundation to completely change the model that this conservation model that we've used for years and years and years, they're, they're laying the groundwork to change that, to yeah. try to change that. Another word they steer completely clear from is consumption. Yep. Consumptive use. Yeah. Right. These are words that are taboo in the current matrix of right. the commission as we know yeah. it. So uh, policy direction now places emphasis on equity inclusion, mm -hmm. uh, biodiversity, which when we're talking biomass in nature, biodiversity is good. We can agree in that, right? Mm -hmm. Nature, we need biodiversity and all the different animals and critters and bugs and types of fish and yep. species and all that. Um, inclusion, look, I don't know of anybody, you know, who doesn't have... Just full on, hey, get your license, go and enjoy, right? And right. let's just include, and, yep. uh, you know, so, but this preservation, this stance on preservation, uh, it's, you know, when you go out into the wilderness, it's not a zoo. Right. We're not here to watch animals. 
We're yep. not, I mean, some people are bird watchers and, and, and nature lovers and think, great, okay? That is a huge percentage of those that enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. But there is a percentage, and we're going to get into some numbers here in a little bit, there is a percentage that likes to partake in the opportunity, harvest when feasible to do so, when it's managed properly, yeah. and uh, fill our freezers with bountiful nourishment in both fish and game. Right. Right? Yep. And, I, yeah, I think, I think all the rhetoric that you're seeing – and their main message is really about preservation, not conservation. Mm -hmm. And even even that in and of itself is troublesome. Let's just say that you are let's say that you are anti-hunting and you you buy into this thought process of preservation, right? Meaning that whatever happens happens, right? It's mm -hmm. nature, yeah. right? Yep. And I think we have seen what happens when you shift to this preservation-minded approach, right? Yeah. And case in point, uh, Blues Mountain elk population, okay? Mm -hmm. The population is drastically in decline. It's about 2,000 head less than the objective, right? Which is just over 5,000. Yeah. And we've got comments from the commission saying, well, why is the objective so high? Let Correct. it be lower, yeah. right? And when you look at, we collared, uh, I believe it was 104 calves, elk calves, and you look at the survival rate of those calves over the year, and uh, there was only a handful that survived. 77% of them were killed by mountain lions, mm -hmm. okay, cougars, right? Yeah, yeah. And so this is that, that preservationist approach in mm -hmm. practice showing that, well, hey, well, those, those mountain lions need to survive too, and that's all they're doing. They're just surviving, and nature will find a way, and this is the way, right? And we're not going to step in and try to conserve, you know, conserve that elk herd yeah. because this is natural. Yeah, let nature uh, let nature run its course, yep. and it'll find balance. And that's not necessarily true, because we're here, 7.5 million, close to 8 million folks here in yep. Washington State. We've condensed the habitat and forced the animals into secluded areas, so they behave different now than they did up 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Correct. It's more confrontational in in smaller areas, and it's just you know not everything can survive uh, together yep. in a condensed and reduced footprint yeah. and that that's been proven so well, let's face it too so so on that in that same line of thinking you know PETA mm -hmm. is not funding elk habitat ha elk habitation restoration right not at all no they could care less if there's a single elk left in the wild yeah right mm -hmm. you take away hunting opportunity you're taking away license fees you're taking away funding for WDFW yep and you're taking away everything that you have in your power to conserve mm -hmm. and ensure that ungulates will survive yeah. from here to eternity. Yeah, right? I got so some it's numbers. It's a really yeah. rocky road. Got some numbers here we're going to yeah. we're going to throw out there to remind everybody of just that, the contribution of those that hunt and fish and what that truly means with the North American conservation model. So the anti-hunting and preservation groups continue with their common messaging, Tommy, is one of the big takeaways I got from this meeting. Um, they are working hard to not only re-educate the commission, but re-educate the overall public. Because again, if two to three percent of us in Washington State hunt, you have 90 percentile out there yep. that are just, you know, getting filtered information, completely yep. filtered information. And so they, they, have a, they have a mindset of non-consumptive use, and they want to spread that message, and they have common messaging amongst all these different groups that show yep. up there. And they keep inundating the commission with this with this this rhetoric, and uh, they have the commission's ear. They ha they have they you know, and the commission is drafting this policy 
uh, that really appeases these groups. Mm -hmm. They're putting in the verbiage and not using those hostile words that we uh, spoke of a little bit ago because right. they're right. so dirty and evil. Uh, these organized groups, they you know they got the they got the ear of the commission. Yep. They got the ear of Ruth Musgrave, who is the senior policy advisor to Inslee, yep. and they also got not just the ear of Governor Inslee, but they got you know tremendous pats on the back. From Governor Inslee, right? You know, in, in their and, efforts, right? And and you saw it in in uh, the the meeting, but Musgrave could just barely contain herself, right? Oh, was, she was just absolutely gleeful that <laughs> was ridiculous. Um, you know, the commission is completely rewriting the the conservation policy uh -huh. to be a preservationist policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was uh, overfilled with joy yeah. and so excited to be there, and just was in like mm -hmm. she was looking at rock stars or something. Right. I was like. Are you kidding me? Yep. Really? Yep. Uh, so, uh, not to be misled, this conservation policy, as I uh, wrote in my notes here, it truly is uh, sheep and wolf's clothing. Yeah. Right? It is, as I uh, surmise it, it is conservation and title only. Mm -hmm. It truly is preservation yeah. hidden under cloaks. Well, and then when you look at the verbiage they're using, like biodiversity, they don't. They don't truly want to achieve equity in the animal kingdom or biodiversity in the animal kingdom. Again, it's about preservation. So, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the verbiage that they're using is just part of the the popular verbiage of the day yep. to try to get their constituents to agree with what they're buzzwords, doing. Buzzwords, right? right? It's buzzwords. Key, key in yep. on the buzzwords. So uh, in watching the meeting, I uh, became very aware very quickly. Boy, there's a number of groups and organizations, some of which you and I have not only heard about but spoke about, had persons on the show and talked mm -hmm. about. And some of these groups reared their head from I don't know where, and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! What? Yeah. Where? Not even from in state. So yeah. here's a short list of some of the ones I, yeah. I captured, um, you know, that are that are here that are not fishing and hunting conservation or consumption friendly. Center for Biological Diversity. Yep, there's a chapter here in, in Washington, 45,000 members strong, uh, as they bragged about Tommy. Endangered Species Coalition, 12,000 members here in Washington State. Washington Wildlife First Coalition. Raptors are the solution. I was like, what did she say? Back it up. Yeah. Raptors are the solution. Yeah. Humane Society, the Washington State Director was there. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like just sending a couple of persons working at a, uh, a puppy pound. Right. It's like, here's the director of Humane Society, and we've yeah. said it for years. Uh, it's not about the cute commercials they put on TV. Right. There's right. so much going on there that people don't even know. Uh, Wild Fish Conservancy, executive director here in Washington State, yeah. of course, was there. Washington State Animal Wellness Action. I was like, what? Uh, Center for Human Economy and Wolf Advisory Group, which Wolf Advisory Group has their hand in a lot of this stuff, but um, that was a whole another topic on its own, yeah. is relisting these wolves. Boy, that created quite a storm. Yeah, and so when you look down this list of groups, I mean... These are, these are basically, they put the meeting in Seattle, right? They wanted to have that Seattle presence, that home turf, and then they bring in all of these these groups to support their agenda. Mm -hmm. And they were just completely pleased with how the commission is progressing forward with this new policy change. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's really sad when you look at the policies and the way it's being managed. And I just... I pray that some of these lawsuits are going to stick mm -hmm. and we can get back to a balanced commission that fulfills the intent of the mission statement. Yeah, 100%. So you're right in that regard. Uh, pretty much every one of these groups, representative of these groups that are basically anti-hunting, anti-consumption, start off just 
puking out accolades to the commission yeah. on how good of a job they're doing, right? And then they go on to their reason for being there. Um, and then there was also a number of King County residents who showed up at a meeting because they were so amazed that the meeting was finally here after 29 years, which is great. I say yeah. move the meeting around right. because they right. anchor in a couple spots in the state and it's hard for people to get there. Although you do have the Zoom capability and you can uh, voice your concerns and opinions via um, your opportunity to speak uh, during those meetings. But if you want to be there in person, yeah, they haven't had it in King County. But don't just throw it in King County in the heart of Seattle. When you have an agenda, right. you're trying to, to follow through yeah. with here. And so these uh, citizens that came out, there was also an over-resounding message from citizens out of the greater King County, Seattle area, right? They don't want the wolf uh, relisting to happen. They want them to stay endangered as it is currently right now mm -hmm. um, because they were talking about there's no, there should be no reason for cattle on the landscape. Wolves have a right to be there. These are people that live in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, how? when's the last time you actually were in the woods observing right. interaction right. between cattle and wolves, right? You're, you're taking secondhand information yep. from these organizations and groups, and you're, you're buying into their one-sided opinion, and then you want to show up at these meetings and let the commission know where you stand. And it was very apparent by a number of these folks that showed up. They, they, they might go out in nature from time to time. They may go into a park and observe, right. you know, birds. Great. I, hey, do what you, you know, what you love to do. Mm -hmm. But let's be realistic about the mission and let's be realistic about your stance. Because a, a few of these folks were talking. I don't really think they, you know, they're just there on behalf of somebody else's mission. Right. It was very apparent in, in, to me. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, this is all... As you look at this whole thing, this is going to be a case study in, at some point in time, okay? Trust me. Yeah, that's a good I mean, when point. When we look back in yep. history, this is going to be yep. a case study. And it's going to be, um, you know, the case study is going to be titled uh, Political Influence in the Conservation Model or something to that effect. That's, okay? uh, that's probably a that, true that statement. Is, that is all that you are seeing here, mm -hmm. I mean, through the entire thing, mm -hmm. right? You want support, right, from your voter base. Yeah, yeah. Let, I mean, let's face it, right? Seattle is overwhelmingly Democrat, overwhelmingly liberal. Yes. And you want to garner, continue to garner support so that as that torch is passed from one liberal governor to the next, mm -hmm. that, that you're ensuring that all of your constituents, all the people that care about, you know, if you're one of these user groups, let's say, if you're part of the Humane Society and you are preaching this preservation model, mm -hmm. leave the animals alone, they're going to go, Right on. I mean, that's that's why I vote for you, right? Right. And but it but it's all political. None of this is based in data or facts, any of that. And what they are doing is they are creating an emotionally based policy and trying to override the North American conservation model mm -hmm. that's been in use across every Western state mm -hmm. for decades and decades and decades. Mm -hmm. Has a lot of data that is correlated to the model yeah. and it works. And now you're just trying to oust that in support of a political process. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, everything's becoming political. Yeah. And everything, the, the lines are being blurred uh, by these influencing groups. And when you appoint certain positions to the seats on these commissions that uh, have an agenda and are politi politically motivated, um, they don't, they don't care about the rights of the Washington State citizens who have grown up here. And uh, we have a God-given right to enjoy the outdoors, recreate, harvest where feasible to do so um, with wildlife because, hey, that's our thing, 
right? Yep. And uh, ironically enough, the they want to go into this preservation model. Well, where's the money going to come from, Tommy? Right. Bird watcher. It's time tags, to start charging the bird watchers. Right. I mean, yep. because literally, uh, it's been documented time and time again. Look, the the North American conservation model has been in place since 1901. Yeah. Okay. It year in and year out typically funds 75 percent DFW's budget. 75 percent, yep. 70 to 75 percent is funded by us buying licenses, tags, yep. all the things we contribute, all the extra fees we have to pay, all those millions upon billions of dollars generated come from those of us, the small percentage, 11% who fish, 2 to 3% who hunt, yep. okay? Where is the money coming from, from these other 97 percentile that don't particularly hunt, right? Right. Uh, and I'm not saying 97% of the, you know, the state is comprised of bird watchers because there's a lot of people that don't partake in any outdoor recreating at all. Right. Um, but I think it's also fair to say that when polled, 75% of Washington state residents are in favor of persons having the opportunity to hunt, even right. if they themselves do not. Right. So there may be 2 to 3% of us that do. There's 75% yeah. that say, well, they should be able to. Right. Manage the resource appropriately so they can. That's right. You know what I mean? Well, and if you truly believe in diversity, and yeah. you truly believe in inclusion, right. then this very small minority group, which mm -hmm. is the hunting community, Correct. you will allow that, that, that group to continue to carry on their traditions, their heritage, yep. and pass it down from generation to generation. If and only if you believe in diversity and inclusion. Yeah, That's include, it. include us. That's right. Right? Yep. Don't just pander to the um, tremendous amount of community that is not in favor of what it is we enjoy doing. Yep. Uh, include us, because we, yep. were, we were going down this road a long time before they started you know, mixing their feelings and emotions mm -hmm. into it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So now, because they, don't, they can't comprehend what it is to you know, take the life of an animal and, and how personal that is for each individual who hunts, yep. and that that uh, little ceremony that you carry out and provide that, that sustenance for your family and share with friends and whatnot. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's upwards of 75 to 80% of those of us that do hunt share our bounty with mm -hmm. friends and loved ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's not just a selfish act. You're not just That's taking right. an animal's life to be a selfish individual. You're yeah. actually helping uh, uh, further conservation, one, monetarily, two, helping with game, game management, Right. Three, if they would allow us to assist with predator management, it'd be a totally different situation. Yep. So they are really trying to turn this thing on its head. Um, and the words that they choose to use and not use, the things that they say and don't say, mm -hmm. and the groups that they're really trying to get on board to support the decisions that they're making yep. um, moving forward. Because at the end of the day, the answer to the governor, and we all know where he stands on a lot of this stuff, mm -hmm. and the answer to Ruth uh, Musgrave, and we all kind of can see the direction she is seeing some of this stuff go. And let me tell you, when it comes to the co-managers in this draft conservation policy, oh yeah, they're against, I've been on the yeah. phone this week with a handful of folks that are in higher yeah. positions than some of these tribes, and let me tell you, they are not happy. No. Because no. they were not included in the development That's of right. this process. No. no. And you cannot move forward with anything in this state in the in the realm of conservation and management, game management and right. fisheries without having the tribes at the table and right. thank God for that. What's gonna happen is they will try to segregate us as a user group. Okay. The government will think, try to yeah. segregate us and the tribes and yep. tell the tribes, hey, well don't don't worry about your hunting opportunity. You'll still be able to practice your, you know, your treaty rights, your subsistence hunting, all that. We're just going after everybody else. Just, yeah. just watch. That'll be coming down the pipe as yep. soon as the tribe 
says, hey, what are you doing? They're going to say, well, no, don't worry about you. You're okay. Yeah. It's going to happen. Uh, Daryl Wetzler, Wetzler has asked, how do we keep this from happening? And a few other people are, are chiming on here, uh, Tommy. So uh, what it takes, folks, is action. And there's a reason this stuff is open for comment period um, on the web page. Go to WDFW, look up commission, uh, look up uh, meetings. This one was uh, entitled uh, June 22nd, I believe, Fish and Wildlife mm -hmm. Commission. Uh, or simply Google draft um, draft conservation policy 2023. I bet you it populates right up and you can go into the section of where you can make comments and let them know your disdain for their decision-making process and what they're putting into this into this policy because it does not favor us in one way, shape, or form. No. Um, we are going to, uh, we're going to jump out for a quick break. When we come back to close out the show, Tommy, I got some interesting numbers. And uh, I give credit and applause um, to one particular commissioner who has stood her ground this entire time. And there's a few others that weren't, uh, weren't at the table. Mm. But Molly Linville, I tell you what, give that lady credit, and I'm going to tell you why yeah. when we come back right after this break, right here at Fish and Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why Arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima Boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. Welcome back to Fish on Northwest. Hey, before we close out the show, just wanted to read a comment. Gabe Miller, you're spot on. Gabe mm -hmm. says, hey, please be professional if you are going to leave comments. Name-calling and threats will only make the situation worse. And uh, I couldn't agree more, Gabe. And I think the thing to remember here is that um, the loudest voice in the room is not always the one that's correct or right or is going to be heard, right? Yeah. And I think if you're you're over, overly emotional, you're using cuss words mm -hmm. in your response, uh, that's going to be discredited right off the bat, right? Um, I think what we're looking for here in the comments is you got to bring unity into the situation, right, in terms of a, a user group. Um, and you really gotta, you really gotta make sure that they're neglecting some of their voter base, right? Cause in terms of them, politics is really only what they care about. So you have to put it in terms that they will understand and will impact them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was an interesting meeting for a couple of days. We'll close, kind of close out with some of this, uh, <laughs> save the best for last. So, um, and of course, uh, Andy Walgamont over there at Northwest Sportsman's Magazine follows it and, and puts mm -hmm. out articles, you know, daily. I took a little excerpt from uh, one of his uh, closing comments here. Uh, I found extremely interesting because I can tell you this: um, I like to sit and watch the body language of the commission yeah. based on who is speaking at the microphone. Big time. And I can tell you this: when it was, and uh, hats off to any of you who showed up as advocates for us who hunt and fish and want to maintain. Uh, a uh, model of conservation and make sure that we are entitled to the rights that mm -hmm. we so deserve yep. uh, and spoke very uh, eloquently on behalf of, you know, all the truth that matters. Um, so I uh, appreciate you folks showing up. But when those individuals were speaking, the likes of Lorna Smith and a few others were kind of sitting there, you know, checking their shirt, just kind of whatever. Now, if somebody from one of those organized groups showed up, and especially if they were a director or somebody important, oh boy, they were... They were laser focused, right? Yeah. And you could clearly see that. It was yeah. like dismissed or, hey, I you have my attention. Yeah. Pretty blatant. So yep. 
Uh, as it wound down and Chair Baker goes down the line and asks if any commissioner has any final thoughts or words to say, um, uh, Lorna Smith said, by far the majority of the people who testified over the last several days liked the conservation policy. The majority did. Uh, there was a vocal minority, and they were all uh, well represented uh, of who did not. And we should be responsive to their concerns and see if they can be addressed. But I don't think we have to beat ourselves up uh, that we, like, may missed the target when most of the people thought we came pretty dang close. So I think we still did a good job. Congratulations. We're going to work on it and see if we can bring some more people into the circle. But I'm pretty pleased with these two days, frankly. And then Andy goes on to say, and he was quoting uh, Lorna on that, uh, the majority of people who spoke supported the policy didn't exactly sit square with Vice Chair Linville. Mm -hmm. um, she did the math. So I kept track, she said. There were 15 against the conservation policy and 13 for. Okay? She stated, uh, and then Smith replied, I heard a lot more than 13 people testify, and Molly goes, data, <laughs> and holds it up, right? Says, data, I kept track, and she was doing the math. So credit to her. She hasn't been on board with this conservation uh, redrafting of this policy from day one. She's made it perfectly clear to Chair Baker, thank God for Molly Linville to yeah. be a voice of reason uh, amongst the, uh, there's five there's a there's a there's a coup of five that are driving this train, right? Jim Anderson's on board, and he oversees the fish committee. God for say, you know, Lorna Smith oversees the uh, the, the the wildlife committee yeah. of all things, right? And that's where yeah. a lot of this is driven from. In this, uh, her and Baker are in cahoots on this thing. So, uh, thank goodness for for Molly Linville, Commissioner Linville. I applaud you for your efforts and standing firm on your beliefs because you are an avid hunter and fisher, uh, one of the very few amongst that board mm -hmm. and um, credit to you for standing firm and I thank you for bringing this out to say 15 against and 13 for that yeah. really is compelling That's awesome. so good for you yeah. so uh, any final thoughts on that Thomas uh, no not on that have a final final thought before we close out the show just wanted to give a shout out to JJ Dial so JJ is uh, selling his 25 foot Defiance Admiral 250 EX uh, that's the boat that I started out on with Defiance back yeah. in 2010, ran mm -hmm. it for five years, mm -hmm. caught a lot of fish, topped out the boat with 85 tuna, rides pretty nice when you put 85 tuna in it. <laughs> I bet it does. And uh, just wanted to let you guys know that that boat is for sale. JJ Dial is selling it. Um, hell of a price. Life has taken him a different path. It's a brand new boat. Brand it's, new boat. It's turnkey. Do they uh, contact him? Are they going to help him out out there? Defiance, they trying to help sell it, or is it JJ on his own? I think own? JJ's, JJ is selling it uh, independently. He's got it posted on a number of the Facebook pages. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you want a beautiful, Perfect. brand new Defiance 250, it's a beauty. Yeah, yeah, state of the art as far as the 250 build. So uh, check it out. Get a hold of JJ via Facebook or social media. Okay, that's going to do it for us, Tommy. We are literally out of studio for the next few weeks. We are. We are out on the road. We are creating some content. We're going to take a take a little time off here, getting through the summer because again, sometimes we get so busy. Yeah. That's not to say our shows and content. We're creating some shows. We will be on Root Sports mm -hmm. every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. So be sure to tune in to Root Sports, uh, 9 a.m., and you can continue to watch us week in and week out until we are back live here in studio in a few weeks. Uh, until then, enjoy the sunshine, have a safe and fantastic 4th of July, and get out there and get after some of the, the fishing opportunities that are before us because, let's face it, it's going to be good. It's go time. It's go time. All right, that'll do it for us here tonight. We'll see you in a few weeks down the road. Take care, and uh, God bless.
Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.